This morning, before we uh, open our Bibles and dig into the Word, we're going to open our Bibles to go to God in prayer. Um, so my heart has this uh, mixture of great joy in God's presence, great grief in knowing that I have friends, people I work with, people uh, I know and have been connected to for years who are suffering in Ukraine today. And of course, um, you do too. And uh, so I was sent a video this morning, I'm not going to show it to you, but it was a video all in the dark, a group of people singing out songs of praise just like you do. Vi visual quality was poor. Can I tell you the sound production? Poor. Spiritual power off the chain. Gathered in the dark, in a bomb shelter, going through an unimaginable hell, and offering praise and thanks to the living God. And so this morning, we're going to pray for them. And we're going to pray for the work of the Lord in that nation. We're going to pray for the work of the Lord in all the earth. And um, I'm going to lead us in prayer on that from Psalm 46. And um, Psalm 46 is a meditation that uh, Luther is a mighty fortress as our God is based in. And it begins, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So he speaks to our anxiety in the midst of a shaking world. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains are moved into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. So God comes and he speaks to us. I'm the one who holds all things in my hand. Friends, let me remind you this morning. The tomb is empty. The throne is not. He is the sovereign Lord. And our God is great. And he, he says the nations are but a speck of dust on the scales. They are as nothing before him. Our God can turn things as he chooses and pleases. And he will do so for his glory. And so then he says, come behold the works of God. How he has brought desolations on the earth and he will make wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear and he burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God and I will be exalted in the nations. You, my friends, this morning are the sons and daughters of the bow breaker, of the spear shatterer, of the one who makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. And he calls on us as his people to seek his face. And so let's do it. Let's do it. If you're a praying person, let's pray. I'm going to ask you just to pray silently for a few seconds, the prayers of your own heart, then I'll lead us in some prayer. We'll close with the Lord's Prayer. It's not up on the screens. Some of you may not be familiar with it, but if you know the Lord's Prayer, we're going to say it together. When it comes to the tricky part, we're going to say trespasses. Debts, sins, trespasses, trespasses. Okay, we'll just go with that today, all right? Let's pray. Pray some silent prayers just for a few seconds here. Gracious Lord, you are the one who makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. You break the bow, you shatter the spear. You bring down the lofty and the proud from their thrones. You overthrow tyrants, you lift up the humble. We pray for our brothers and sisters who this morning um, must bury their dead. 
Uh, we pray for those who grieve. There are brothers and sisters in Russia, too. We pray for those. We pray for an end to tyranny in the earth. We pray for the overthrow of the wicked. We dare to seek you and ask great things of our great God. We pray for the protection of the innocent, the comfort of those who are grieving. We pray for the healing of those who are in pain and suffering. We pray for the protection of your church. And in the midst of suffering and pain, they too would know your presence in unique and powerful ways. And we pray that you would remind us by these events that we are not isolated and alone, that we are one body of Christ in all the earth, that we are part of an everlasting kingdom that does not know the boundaries that men establish and cannot be confined to time and space. And so, Lord, we seek your face, and we ask, O oh Lord, for a great deliverance for the end of this war, for the overthrow of the violent, and for the restoration of peace, and that you would grant wisdom to all those who are in authority in the civil realm, in the military realms, in all of these places, in diplomacy. Uh, you bring to government in your time and in your ways, those of your choosing, we pray that you would so equip them in this time that they would be marked by a wisdom which is not their own. And we thank you for this as we seek you together saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for taking those minutes to pray together. Would you continue in prayer? We will certainly do so Wednesday evening as well as we gather, as we begin this um, providentially. 30 days, 30 day season of prayer, seeking the Lord, humbling ourselves before God and acknowledging that we cannot do what he has called us to do. We must serve him with only the strength that he provides. So um, Monday morning, uh, I woke up very early. I, I'm kind of an early guy, but um, four is really early. And I woke up not with the peace of Christ, I have to tell you. And uh, the, it, it, I never wake up with a piece of Christ at four in the morning because the coffee has not brewed at that point, right? So if it's four and I'm up, I'm like, oh, Jesus, help us. And, um, and I woke up thinking, I, I got I, I to gotta, uh, I gotta, I gotta get my house ready to sell, the one up in Tennessee. We got to get that house ready to sell. We got to get it on the market. We got to sell it. I got to find a place down here. I got to move from the apartment I'm in. I got to move to the new place. I, 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 I got to get my daughter ready for college. I got to make sure she's enrolled at FAU. In other words, I had the peace of Jesus just reigning in my heart. <laughs> I mean, it was going a thousand miles. It was like a squirrel was running my brain, okay? Uh, and just a squirrel on steroids. And and, and, and so it's my habit on Monday mornings, I do this every Monday morning, is to take the text for the sermon the following Sunday. So today, open up the text and just read it. I read it five or six times, just begin to kind of wade in, like you wade into the ocean, kind of chilly, you know, you get in there a little bit and a little bit further. And so I'm just, so I open it up and I come to this verse, Matthew 6, 34. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. I was like, thanks, Lord, really appreciate it. Nobody likes to know it all, Lord. 
<laughs> I mention all this because as we dig into the Sermon on the Mount and we ask the Lord to use his words to form our hearts, to shape us, we are immediately confronted with how unlike the words he shares <laughs> we really are. How desperately we need him to move in us because we are a people that long for his truth to change us. Let's read together this section of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. We're going to pick it up here in verse 19, and uh, we're going to read through 34. Just hear God's word. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there will your heart be also the eye is the lamp of the body so if your eye is healthy your whole body will be full of light if your eye is evil your whole body will be full of darkness if then the light in you is darkness how great is that darkness no one can serve two masters he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve god and mammon therefore i tell you do not be anxious about your life what you will eat what you will drink nor about your body what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing look at the birds of the air they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, Cassidy, by being anxious, can... I just preach to myself on Sunday mornings, by the way. I just want you to know that. People come up to me afterwards and go, that was like, it was just for me. And I'm like, no, no, it was, it was for me. <laughs> which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow and neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? The Gentiles seek after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows you need them all. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the gospel of the Lord. Lord, please make your word to abide in our hearts, we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Have you noticed we live in an anxious age? And maybe you experience anxiety, perhaps in deep and profound ways. Yale cognitive scientist Lori Santon has started a class at Yale University called the Happiness Class. It's the most popular class there. She started it in 2018. And um, 
for only 25% of the underclassmen at Yale started taking the class because the rumor got out that what she was addressing in there was the problem of our lack of authentic, lasting happiness and the overwhelming presence of anxiety. So you would think that the kinds of students who were the high achievers who could get into Yale, you would think, well, they, they've punched the ticket. They've got it made. They'd be at peace. Oh, no. Oh, no. They've been raised on a steady diet of you've got you to pass that test, and you better keep it going. In a recent New York Times interview, Professor Santos said this, our minds lie to us. We have strong intuitions about the things that will make us happy, and we use those intuitions to go after that stuff, whether it's more money or changing circumstances or buying that new iPhone, but a lot of those intuitions, the science shows they are not exactly right. They are actually deeply misguided. We need help with that. And you don't get it naturally. Did you hear that? You don't get it how? Naturally. It's not something natural to get the help on that that we need. There's an enormous pressuring culture around us telling us to buy things and a hustle achievement culture that destroys my students in terms of anxiety. We are fighting cultural forces telling us you're not happy enough. Happiness could be just around the corner. Part of it's all the information out there about happiness that makes us think we haven't found it yet. And then interestingly, she goes on to say this. There's a lot of evidence that religious people, for example, are happier in life. They have a higher level of satisfaction and more positive emotion in the moment. Is it the Christian, now this is, I'm quoting her, is it the Christian who really believes in Jesus and reads the Bible? Or is it the Christian who goes to church, goes to the spaghetti suppers, donates to charity, participates in the volunteer stuff? Turns out that to the extent that you can disentangle these two, it seems it's not just our beliefs, but our actions that drive the fact that religious people are happier. The answer is it's the spaghetti suppers, right? <laughs> Now, what she notes here is something that's really basic to Jesus' teaching. She says that it's not just saying that you believe something, but creating habits of the heart and habits of life. And the, the terminology that she uses in her class is a cultural apparatus. The relationships and structures that you surround yourself with that begin to cultivate in your soul authentic liberty and freedom from anxiety. Is that possible? Jesus, in his teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, looks out upon a people who are trapped in many ways by the very same things that you and I in the early 21st century are trapped by. Envy, fear, guilt, shame, the desire for more, and he notes that this anxiousness is something which is deeply embedded in us. And he calls upon us, as he says early in chapter 6, with reference to the Gentiles who eagerly go after these things, he says, do not be like them. In other words, the call of a Christian is to a place of liberty and peace where those things which so drive and animate 
the souls of virtually the entire culture are something which we transfer. We transfer it to God himself. Jesus says at the culmination of this message, your father knows you need these things. Jesus does not say clothing, food, shelter are unimportant. That's not what he says. What he says is God knows you need these things. If you make these things your highest priority, then you will lose these things and peace with it. But if you make the kingdom of God your highest priority, you will have God and he will add all these other things in. She goes on in that class to note that research demonstrates that money, you know, people say money will make you happy, that, that money raises the standard of happiness only insofar as it does provide for those basic needs. There's a variety of scales and percentages which are used on these things, but the difference on the happiness scale, if I can use that terminology right now, the difference on the happiness scale between a person who's making $100,000 a year and $600,000 a year is exactly one point. They go from a 64 to a 65. That's not even passing in most schools. You can bump it up a point. If you could up your salary by 600%, really, the myth is, if I get there, I'll be happy. But this anxiety of our heart only teaches us what Meryl Streep showed long ago, the devil really does wear Prada. <laughs> if these things become the formers of our soul, we'll have missed what Paul said in Romans chapter 12. He says, I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, which you have sung of this morning, his mercy is more, by the mercies of God to offer your bodies a living and holy sacrifice to God, that is your reasonable service of worship, and don't be conformed to this age. Phillips, J.B. Phillips, a great English paraphraser of that text, said, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Don't be conformed to this age. Rather, he said, Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll know what the will of God is, his good and acceptable and perfect will. In other words, there are two distinct ways of living. We can live with anxiety. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Or we can live in the peace of Christ. And what, what we choose is going to make all the difference on that. And that's why Jesus roots his teaching, therefore I say to you, in the issue of what we truly treasure. The treasure of the heart in verses 19 through 24 is critical in this regard. Do not lay up for yourselves, he writes, treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. The word that's translated there, rust, can also be translated as worms, moth and worms. In other words, they get into the stuff and they eat it. Jesus basically views our capacity to set aside what we think is valuable as putting it in the position, if we leave it only here, as something which is organic matter, which is simply destined to be consumed. It's not lasting. It doesn't actually possess the true value. One scholar put it this way, at the deepest level, the essential unity of our person revolts against our attempt to mix up our loves and hate so as to be able to embrace all possibilities of experience at the same time. 
We think we can love these things and love Jesus at the same time. But Jesus, look what he says, no one can serve two masters. He will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and, now at the ESV it says money, but the old translation is right, mammon, mammon, because mammon is a term which is the name of an idol. And it comes from an Aramaic root, it's the same Aramaic root that says amen, Mammon and amen are from the same word. What does amen mean? Amen means this is reliable. This is something you can build your life on. And Jesus is saying, if you say amen to the treasures of the earth, and you make that the foundation of your existence, it becomes an idol which will steal away your heart. C.S. Lewis put it this way, prosperity knits a man to the world. He feels that he is finding his place in it when all that is happening is that it is finding its place in him. And so when we put our trust in the uncertainty of riches, when we put our trust, our amen, in the power of the goods of this world or the symbols of this world, We are forsaking the one person, the one relationship which can establish real certainty, real reliability. That's why Jesus says you've got to make a choice. You're not going to be able to serve both. You can't have a God called Mammon and a God named Yahweh. I am the Lord your God. You will have no other gods before me. That's the first commandment. Jesus here is teaching about the posture of the heart. And saying all of these things which are on offer over here are not simply saying buy me, get me, achieve me so that you will be happy. They're saying that if you have me, you will have life. But life can only come from the life giver. From the one who created you, who fashioned you, who knows what your heart was made for, formed for. You were made for an everlasting communion with God. And apart from that, there is no peace. And that's why Jesus finishes this message by talking about the healing of our heart. By taking us back as the creator for a walk through Eden. You see the flowers over there? You see the birds in the sky? That's what happens here in the last part of this text. Consider the lilies of the field. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't spin. Look at their beauty. Yet Solomon, Solomon, in all of his splendid robes, seated on his ivory throne with the 12 lions leading up the steps, Solomon in all of his glory didn't look as great as the lily of the field see the birds how much anxiety do they have none they take flight they wait for the current they enter it the god and father of our lord jesus christ cares for them not a sparrow falls to the ground without his notice And then Jesus says something quite remarkable in a question. Are you not 
worth more than these? Verse 26, are you not of more value than they? Here's the question anxiety has to answer. How many birds are you worth? You see, your worth, your value as a human being is greater than any house, car, career. It's greater than any power you can achieve. It's more than anything else. And you know that intrinsically. You see it even in the news this week as people have to forsake homes and goods and everything because life is more than the house they lived in and their children mean more than even the breath in their own lungs because you are valuable why are human beings valuable because human beings unlike birds and unlike lilies are the image bearers of God every single one of us are valuable before God a few years ago a young woman finally spoke up for all of the other women who'd been abused by the the doctor associated with the US gymnastics team her name was Rachel Den Hollander she had gone on to become a very very fine attorney and by speaking up against the abuse that she suffered she saw a man who used his power to abuse and attack fellow image bearers of God brought to justice and she saw dignity and worth and healing begin to be restored to the victims of that person's abuse Rachel Den Hollander's book what is a girl worth is one of the most important books you could ever read and she said who is going to tell these little girls that what was done to them matters that they are seen and valued that they are not alone and that they are not unprotected why do human beings value today they value because they were made by God we are not the products of chance you are not a cosmic accident you are not simply the collected molecules that can be reduced to a financial equation that matches your chemistry no you are an image bearer of God you are body soul and spirit and you Jesus says are valuable how valuable are you to Jesus Jesus showed how valuable you are because Jesus didn't just preach this he said I'm the king who will become the servant Paul put it this way he was rich in heaven and he became poor for our sakes so that we by his poverty might be made rich he became a slave to make us kings he died to give us life he showed when he died on the cross and they gambled over the only piece of clothing he had his robe the only thing he owned in this life 
when even that was stripped away and he hung on the cross and he bled and he died so our sins could be forgiven he was showing us not only the path to knowing how our sins could be forgiven truly before God not guilt feelings but real guilt moral guilt the guilt we have with God all of that removed and taken away he was also showing us how God values all that he has made every bird every lily every star the earth and you he died to give you life and that's why the Bible calls him the Prince of peace and the scriptures say if you believe in him that you will have peace with God that passes understanding and the man who wrote that wrote it from a dungeon In prison, he said, I have a peace that passes understanding. And my friend, you can have that today too. Because Christ has valued you and given his life for you. And if you haven't yet responded to him and said, Jesus, I want to take you as my Savior, I urge you to do so. But then if, like me, and you're a Christian and you wake up on those Monday mornings going, what are we doing? Because we all have those, mo those moments, those days. We can turn to him and say, Lord, speak your peace again into my heart. And that's what he did. Don't be anxious, he said. Don't be anxious. He might as well have been sitting there with his cup of coffee across the table saying, Cassidy, don't be anxious about tomorrow. I've got it. My friends, he's got it. And this morning, if you came anxious, he's ready to speak peace to your heart. And I want to pray that that occurs. So I invite you to bow your head and pray with me now this morning. Prince of Peace, you who value us and show your love for us and how valuable we are in heaven by shedding your blood for us on the cross, I pray for all of my friends this morning and for my own heart who are anxious and I pray that you will begin to breathe into them the peace that passes understanding I begin I ask Lord that you would begin to repair the ruins of our imaginations which think that by treasuring the material we can arrive at happiness which is eternal Lord deliver us from the idol of mammon keep us Lord ever from it help us to serve you to make our choices this morning I'm not going to serve mammon anymore I'm going to I'm going to serve Jesus deliver us from the deception that says we can keep both of those gods in our heart and they'll happily coexist Lord triumph in our heart over the mammon that God of the material that has tried to assert its sovereignty in our souls and we pray Lord this morning that for any in this gathering who do not yet know you and the Holy Spirit is working on their hearts right now to say you can come into a kingdom that is anxious free and know the true value of being one of God's children you can know forgiveness of sin and peace that passes understanding I pray Lord for all those who don't yet know you that they would turn to you in faith you would grant them the trust to put the full weight of their life into your hands. Lord, 
Bring prodigals home. Bring the dead to life. Bring peace to troubled hearts. And we pray this in the matchless name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen and amen.